Welcome. I'm Sebastian Mafud, and you're listening to WCAT Radio, the on-air wing of En Route Books and Media, bringing you the dulcet sounds of Catholic wisdom with our host, Bob Olson, who will now introduce today's show and speaker. WCAT Radio presents, If You Know Mary, You Know Jesus. This program will help you know more about Mary, the mother of Jesus. And our host is Bob Cantor. Good to be with you. Good to be here. Me me too. Just uh, being this is our first program, why don't you just give us a little little glimpse of yourself, what... uh, you know, you you're a cradle Catholic, right? Sure. Yes, I'm like most. I really, um, yeah, I've, I've been brought up with the Catholic Church, baptized in the Catholic Church, and uh, you know, uh, pretty much my parents would take take us to mass on Sunday, but that's pretty much the extent of it. So I really didn't have a, uh, my first serious or my first major conversion until my late twenties, and where I started taking my faith seriously. Prior to that, I was just uh, into the world of flesh and the devil like the rest of us. But I thank God that he got a hold of me and for my experience, my, uh, my encounters that I had with him through especially the rosary. And uh, I attribute a lot of my conversion and, and a bringing back to the Catholic Church to where I am today uh, through the Mother of God. So, so I am... I like that story. Told, uh, in, in our interview last week where we talked about having a program like this and here we are, here's your first program and you said you uh, walked in the kitchen I think at your house and your mother had some ladies over there and they were praying yeah. the rosary yes yeah. <laughs> they said would you, would you like to join us that's exactly what they said and uh, me being happy go lucky I said sure yeah you know and uh, just to recap, to, to mention a little bit, to bring us back on what we talked about last week, I was 18 years old. I had a job at the, the old Raymond's Bakery, and it was the Boneyard Shift. What that means is from 12 o'clock midnight all the way to 12 o'clock uh, in, the, in, in the morning, uh, 12 noon. So, and, uh, you know, I was tired. It was a 12-hour shift. It wasn't the greatest job in the world. I walked through the door looking forward to go to bed, and who was around the kitchen table was about five or six women, what I call holy ladies, where they were getting ready to pray the rosary. And a woman that uh, in her 70s, uh, mid-70s, her name was Jenny Dedona. She um, apparently, uh, unbeknownst to me, was a visionary. I, apparently she was getting apparitions of the mother of God. Now, I didn't understand all that back then, but to make a long story short, they invited me to pray the rosary, and I did the first rosary I ever prayed, and I had a pretty profound uh, encounter with the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'll try to, I'll try to uh, give a little bit on that. It felt as if I had an out-of-body experience. Uh, I was kind of like elevated above everybody. Looking down, I could see them below me. And the, wow. the, um, and the, yeah, and the um, definitely a Holy Spirit moment that I, I was not used to, you know. So... Uh, and all of a sudden, the room expanded where it had no boundaries. It was like infinite in all directions, north, south, east, and west. Uh, it just was infinite, and it became very bright. The peace that I encountered was incredible. I felt such a warm, I don't know, I don't know if it was ecstatic, but I was very joyful. Uh, and, and the main thing, what I got out of that experience is that I had a vivid picture of the Holy Family in my mind, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. It was clear as day, full-blown color. I knew it was Jesus. I knew it was Mary and Joseph. Our Lord was in between the two of them. Um, And what I came away with that is a a great grace where I was given like um, an awareness or a, a, a consciousness that I never had of the presence of God in my life. And I have that till this day, that grace till this day. And uh, there, I don't think there's a moment that I go throughout the day without thinking about our Lord or God in some way. So, beautiful experience. 
Well, you know, uh, these things can't happen without the grace of God. Amen. And, yeah, and it was through the rosary, through the intercession of the Mother of God. Mm -hmm. And now that led on to other things. Uh, Of course, after that experience, um, with my upbringing or or with with, uh, my life as it has gone prior to that, uh, it was almost like I was conditioned to to want the world, the flesh, and the devil, the glitter of the world. I wanted everything that uh, my my fellow students in school wanted, and I had to have it. Despite I had that experience, I did not convert totally yet. I had to have the world, the flesh, and the devil, and that um, led me down a spiral downward. And um, I, I, I actually got to the bottom of the barrel, and it wasn't until I was about 28 years old, after a few pretty disastrous experiences, some bad relationships and so forth, drinking and, and drugs, um, that, I, again, I turned to God. I said, Lord, I can't take this pain anymore. And I, and I actually begged God the Father. I said, God the Father, please take the pain away. And, and I was in my car when I said that prayer, and I actually said a prayer to St. Michael. I said, St. Michael, here am I, uh, um, uh, not obeying God's commandments that, that well. I even uh, was, uh, you could have found me in strip clubs, <laughs> to be honest with you. But I said, St. Michael, here I am, and you're getting your nose bloody for me. Please intercede for me. So I get home. I'm in the bathroom. And I looked out my bathroom window. Again, it was a Holy Spirit moment as a result of that prayer to God the Father to help me. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at the clouds coming over the trees in my backyard. It was beautiful. These, these beautiful white clouds. It was a beautiful summer day, clear as could be. And it was those types of clouds that just dissipated as they, as they went by. And I, I visioned in my mind, it was God the Father and uh, there was this huge wall between us. It was God the Father on one side of the wall, and it was a wall of glass. It looked to me about three feet thick. Again, it had no boundaries. It was infinite in all directions. And I, and I was on the other side of the wall, and God the Father had his hands pressed against the wall, and I had mine pressed against his on the other side, the only difference was I was like, uh, I pictured myself as being about three or four years old. I was a young boy, a young child. And we were both weeping profusely. I, I was, he was crying. And, and the sense that I got from God the Father was as if a father that was so distraught at the loss of a child or if he had a child that has been abducted and he's searching frantically for that child but couldn't find him, and he was so torn by that. That was the sense that I got from God the Father. And me, I was like crying, I want to be with you, Daddy. I want to be with you, Daddy. And, and God the Father says, he says, Son, he says, listen to me very carefully. He says, you see this wall? I said, yes. He says, do you know what that is? I said, no. He said, that wall is sin. And right. sin is keeps us from one another. So he let me to know that this it was sin that was keeping us separated, that I could not be with my daddy God. It was sin that, that was uh, causing us to be separated and causing this great pain. And he led me to know that I needed to go to confession. And I did. So that was the start of bringing me back where I, where I started taking my faith very seriously. First thing was the sacrament of reconciliation, where I received God's forgiveness, His mercy, and grace. You know, to lead, to put me on that road back to the Father. What a beautiful experience! Again, you know, I know our Blessed Mother was there interceding. Um, you know, because my first experience uh, around the kitchen table praying the Rosary, I knew of the importance of devotion to her. And, and, I, and I knew that the rosary was a very important prayer for, uh, to lead us back to the sacraments and keep us strong in the faith. You know, I, uh, uh, we have such a beautiful church, don't we? Amen. I love my so, faith. Exactly. 
And when you mentioned about confession, you know, I like what Father Bill McCarthy out at my father's house in Lewis, Connecticut says. He says, there are three miracles with confession. Number one, all your sins are forgiven. Amen. And never be brought up again. Amen. Never. That's, never. Right. That's a beautiful That's a thing. How could that happen? Amen. It's almost too good to be true. It is, and it, it is true, and this is exactly what God wants. And uh, our Lord also told, I don't know if it was St. Faustina, one of the saints, he says, when I forgive sins, I forget them. And one That's of the right. saints asked, Lord, what was that sin that I, I committed a month ago? You know what his answer was? It was, I don't remember. <laughs> right. What was the third uh, promise uh, that the Father second, Bill mentioned? The second, mir- the second miracle. L- listen to this. All our sins, all that stuff that you were mentioning, the strip clubs and all that stuff, right? Yes. All, all that shame <laughs> and all that guilt. It's gone. Amen. Never never to be brought up again. That is absolutely right. That's miracle number two. Now miracle number three, this is even bigger. It's so big that people have difficulty handling it. The third miracle is we can forgive ourselves. <laughs> Right, and that's a big all one. Those, all those mistakes, but we have to admit them. Yes, yes. These were mistakes. We were mistake. These were mistakes, and now we can forgive ourselves for these mistakes. In other Correct. words, instead of saying, instead of saying, "Oh man, how could I have been so stupid?" <laughs> right. Hey, the temptation is there to do that. But you accept it because God has forgiven us. And who are we to argue with God? Exactly. He says, you're forgiven, so forgive yourself and and it's over. And then you have three miracles. I mean, you know, people don't realize that if, if they want to see miracles, you see them every time you go to confession. Amen. I yes, I that, that no, Bob, that's beautiful. You're right on the money. And uh, that sacrament is not only you receive God's forgiveness, it's healing. And it heals the wounds that the, our sins have, has caused us. God wants right. to heal you know, and then it, it's just funny. All you know, through our lives, we just go along with the flow. I was one of them. And you, you just go along with the flow. Me so too. That's all you know. You know, that's all you know. And and, right. and what happens is we get attracted to the glitter of the world. Why? Because yeah. everyone else is doing it. You know, I want what they want, and according to them, this is the way to happiness. Boy, is that wrong. The world, the flesh, and the devil is not the way to happiness. It's the way to destruction. And thank God for that sacrament of reconciliation because God heals us. He makes it repairs the damage that our sins has caused. We, we receive his forgiveness. Immediately the guilt is washed away. Right. And, our, and, and the shame is gone. And, and, and we can, we are back, we're back in the friendship of our, our creator. So you experienced it many first times. Yeah. But I mean that first that first time, huh? Amen. Well, oh yeah, that was a that was a pretty powerful message from God the Father, and He said, "Listen to me very carefully." Why? Because it was serious. It was serious. It wasn't a joke. He says, "You we, you need to go to confession because I was in a state of mortal sin." And God the Father came to my rescue by virtue of his son's merits. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And also, so I started going to, I knew, I recognized the importance of confession 
and I took I took great advantage of it. There was times that I would go to confession and literally come out feeling like I'm on cloud nine, Bob. I mean, everything was beautiful. I'm like, wow, look at the trees. They are so beautiful. The birds, the way they sing is so beautiful. So you literally felt like the, the weight of the world was lifted off your shoulders because it is. The weight of our sins is God lifts it immediately off of our shoulders. And uh, so that Father, isn't a point. Go ahead, Bob. I'm sorry. Father uh, Bertolucci always used to say, someday there's going to be a book outside the confessional, okay? Uh-huh. And you're going you're gonna to write in that book what you were healed of that day. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I take full advantage. I've, I, I've gotten to a point where I, I, I love going to confession so much and the effects of going to confession, I go at least once a week. You know, it's rec- you know I, I recommend it. It's not, uh, not um, something you're not obliged to go once a week. However, I highly recommend it if you can. The graces that you receive there that keeps you strong, um, you know, of course, I've, I've become a daily communicant, and I want to make sure that I receive uh, our, uh, the body and blood of our Lord and Savior as cleanly or as purely as I possibly can. So I take advantage of the sacrament of reconciliation, and uh, sometimes even twice a week, <laughs> because I have to. You know, that's the grace is there. We can go every day if we want it. Here's another idea I got from Father McCarthy, Father Bill McCarthy. At my father's house, yes. you can have when you're raising your family. You can have confession parties. Think about this. You say to the kids, "Hey, kids, let's go out and eat tonight. Let's go out for dinner, have a nice meal." Okay. Right. But, but first, we'll stop at the church. We'll all go to communion. Wow. <laughs> not not together individually, of course. But then afterwards you go out and celebrate. Wow. It's a confession party. You know, that's very fitting. That goes right along with the prodigal son. Or the right. prodigal father. You know, let's have the a son party. Leaves. That's the son it. Back. You... Let's have a party. Exactly. One repentant sinner, all of heaven rejoices more over one repentant sinner than the 99 righteous. Right. So it's true. And that, that's, and Bob, you know, now that you mentioned that, a, 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 a beautiful story popped into my mind. And uh, I know I read it somewhere. And uh, I don't know if it was a saint that told the story but, about confession, but it goes like this. She was so uh, uh, afraid to go to confession, but she finally did. But she held off for a long time, and I'm sure it really, really uh, tore at our Lord's heart because she was holding off because it shows a great lack of trust. So she finally, finally decides to go to confession after a long time, and she's in the confessional, and she's telling all of her sins, and all of a sudden appeared to her Jesus. And he had his hands, his face in his hands, and he was weeping profusely. The tears were just running down. You could see our Lord weeping. And, and this woman said, Jesus, she says, why are you weeping? I came to confession. You should be very happy. And our Lord looks up with these beautiful, tender, loving, tear-filled eyes. He says, my daughter, he says, these aren't tears of sorrow. These are tears of joy. Amen. But what, what a beautiful story. But that's how open-armed our Lord welcomes us to the confessional. Please, please don't be afraid. His mercy is there. God has got his arms wide open, ready to embrace us and lavish us with his mercy, his grace, and his forgiveness. He just wants to heal us. But when you talk about uh, uh, going to confession every week, uh, I got to tell you this story. I was, sure. ministering, I was ministering to this young young fellow. He was married, and I don't know, he's in his thirties, maybe forties, and he was in the fast lane. You know, he had a big job, 
He was in the right. fast lane. And then he saw the the, the, the long ways, okay, because I was ministering to him, getting him back into the church and so forth. Right. And... uh and he w- was like you. I mean, he got, he got so he fell in love with confession. He fell in wow. love with with uh, you know getting back into the church, daily communicant and everything. Yes. And he used to go every Saturday afternoon to confession. And you know, I don't know if you've seen this in your church, but sometimes these old folks go to church early, like they sit, go to four, the mass is at five, and they go there at four because they just like to sit there. Yes. You know, in church. <laughs> and when they talk, they're older, and when they talk, when they whisper, they th- think they're talking quietly, right? <laughs> yes. But you, you can hear them in the whole church. Yeah, because they're deaf. They're going deaf. <laughs> right. So... After a few weeks, every time his, my friend would come into confession, the uh, the old guy would say, Hey, Ma! You know, he thought he was whispering, right? <laughs> hey, hey, Ma! That guy must have a lot of sins. Oh, man! <laughs> you could hear it in the whole church. Oh, man! It was what a, a funny story. Just a yeah, funny story. That yeah. didn't bother him any, but it's just what, you know, I I, I, I laughed forever for that on that story because, I mean, they weren't being mean. No, of course not. <laughs> they yeah, were they were more innocent than anything, you know. <laughs> they yeah, well. They an observation. Yeah, we're all anyway, sinners. Yeah. That's we're, right, we're, we're all, all sinners. We're all sinners. We all fall and short. You know, we all exactly. Short of, the, of grace. We all fall short of the glory of God, like St. Paul says, and, you know, and, and we can't judge one another because, you know, I was, uh, I don't forget where I read this, was, uh, I think it was either My Daily Bread or Imitation of Christ, which I highly recommend both of those, where our Lord says, um, you, you can't judge. He says, it was, I think it was My Daily Bread. He says, for one sin you deserve the fires of hell. He says, and, and you know, it, well, it, not that our Lord, he doesn't want that for us, but we have to understand that we offended an infinite God. And, and the, sooner we, the sooner we realize that God is God and we are not, the better off we're going to be. As long as we, we remain where we're, we, we um, like to call the shots, um, we're always going to be unhappy. We're, we're going to be miserable. You know, yeah, and um, and and confession is truly one way to humble ourselves before God to recognize that He is God, I am not. I desperately need His mercy. Why? Because I'm a sinner, and it is sin that makes me miserable. But I know when I go to confession and I make a sincere confession with a contrite heart, man, does God remove my misery? And you know, and He tells Saint Faustina. He is he is mercy itself, and I forget where it was in her diary, uh, uh, where he told, he said to Faustine, he says, "You are misery itself." Can you imagine? I'm yeah. thinking he's calling Saint Faustine a misery itself. I'm saying to myself, I thought I was misery itself. How could a saint be misery itself? But he called him that for a very good reason. He says because I want the world to know I chose you. Because you are misery itself, and I want the world to know that it is my mercy that takes away all of your misery. And there's no place more, the the sacrament of mercy is the sacrament of reconciliation. And that's exactly where our Lord removes all of our misery caused by our sins, our disobedience, and, and and. Doing things uh, our way, you know, the theme song for, for, for moral relativists is we did it our way or, yeah. or it's my life and I'll do what I want. My question is, how's that working for you? <laughs> <laughs> it's not working. It ain't working. It ain't working. And there's, yeah. But uh, they need to know that to make it right is the sacrament, sacrament of reconciliation especially. 
And our Lord says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. You are my friends when I when you do what I tell you. You see? You know, the other thing is, Bob, once you have this reconcil- reconciliation with God, I mean, you love him, he loves you. I mean, there's just that love. You know, that's the Holy Spirit, the love between us, you know. Amen. And and then once we once we have that, then it's so easy to love others. Oh, Bob, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Yes. But why do you suppose? Why do you suppose it's easier to love others? And here's the point I'm trying to get at. Because God loved us first. And he says, love one another as I have loved you. Now, God could have condemned me very easily, but he doesn't yeah. want that. Why? Because he loves me more than his own life. I've been told through inspiration and prayer that I'm the apple of his eye. Can you imagine? Yeah. And yes, Lord, you are my all in all. You are everything to me, Jesus. And I use the words of Mother Teresa, you are my all in all. So by experiencing God's love and how he loved me without condemning me, he loved me with with tender mercy, I need to treat others and love others in the same way. And it's easy because you realize, you you encounter it. You encounter his mercy. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful thought, Bob. Okay, well, we had a lot of fun with that, didn't we? (laughs) <laughs> I actually have another story, but if you want me to tell it another time, I'll tell you. Well, whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh, what, it, what it is is this, is um, that back in St. Pio's days, there was a woman who had a husband who refused to go to confession. He says, no, I don't go, I'm not a sinner. I don't need to go to confession. For years, he refused. And so, but he did accept going to uh, St. Peel's Masses when he was on earth. And now he attended uh, one of uh, the first Mass that he ever attended from St. Peel. And during the consecration, he had a a Holy Spirit moment, this man. Of course, uh, his, his wife has been praying for years for him, and I think her prayers are being answered in this way. He saw St. Peel during the consecration wearing a crown of thorns in agony, like our Lord. And he was in tremendous pain. So when the when the mass ended, he didn't want it, he didn't want anybody to think he was crazy that they had this vision. So he didn't say anything. He went home and didn't talk about it. He was very quiet. The next day he goes to mass again. The same thing happens. Again he goes home. He's very quiet. Didn't say a thing, but he's nervous at this point. The next day he goes to mass again. The same thing happens. He saw Saint Peel with a crown of thorns in agony. And he goes to his wife the next uh, after Mass. He, he says, i got to tell you, because I just don't want anybody to think I'm crazy, but this is what I saw. I saw St. Peel during the consecration with a crown of thorns in agony. And he says, you know, I think I'm going to go to confession. So he, the next day he went to confession. So he's in the confessional, and he's confessing his sins and Saint, to St. Peel, by the way. And St. Peel said to him, he says, you have no idea of how much I suffered to get you into this confessional. So keep in mind, not to scare anybody, but there are people making sacrifices, for, for, uh, especially for those who refuse or there's a fear to get to the sacrament of reconciliation. They're making sacrifices and they could be suffering for you. So, but by that grace, united with the cross of our Lord, of their suffering, God provides that grace so that we will go to confession. I don't think I don't think I ever shared this with you, but um, there was a there's a friend of mine who was a Christian. His wife was a cradle Catholic. He was a Christian, mm-hmm. but we never he never became a Catholic. And wow. then his mother, his mother in law got sick. And she was sick for three years. She had some terrible disease for three years. And he watched her for three years. She never complained. She just accepted it. She offered it up, you know, for for whoever, someone in the family, or like the Holy Father says, it could be for someone on the other side of the world that we don't even know. Right. Like you were saying about this fellow here, to get him in confessional of a Padre Pio. 
But so he, his mother-in-law finally died after three years and after he watched her and how, what a beautiful attitude she had and how she offered it up. It's called right. redemptive suffering. Redemptive suffering. Yeah. You know what he said after she died? No, I want me. some of that. <laughs> yeah. I want some of that, and he became a Catholic. Oh, man. Praise God. She yeah. was a powerful example, a powerful witness of the grace yeah. of those sacraments. That's right, just like Padre Pio. Amen. And, you know, the sacramental life, and thank God, this is what I want to, I want to talk about Mary for, because that's exactly the, where she points to is the sacramental life. But before saying that, it transforms our lives. That's the whole purpose of God instituting the sacraments, especially the Eucharist. Sacrament of reconciliation, forgiveness of sins, absolution wash away, washes away the stain of our sins, and it puts us right with God. We, be, we are back into the friendship of Almighty God. Now our souls are as pure as the day of we've been baptized. Now we, we, can re, we can receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ um, worthily. And it is that nourishment, that spiritual nourishment that transforms us into other Christ. You know, and the way I the way I look at it too, here's a way it's you are what you eat. <laughs> you know, so when we feed on the flesh and blood of our Lord and Savior, we literally become transformed into a true disciple of Jesus Christ, a true brother of Jesus Christ. Right. In the truest sense, the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And and we can say with Saint Paul, it is no longer I, but Christ who liveth in me. And in that sense, this is what is so pleasing to God. Not that he sees our wretchedness, but he sees his son in us. That's what's pleasing. That's right. Beautiful. I think so. We have so much. Our faith is so rich, Bob. I love oh, my Roman Catholic faith. And, and I attribute... On. I'm sorry? Go on and on. We could go on and on with all this. I know. I, I, yes, there's always something to say, and I've got all these thoughts popping into my mind. I don't know which one to pick from first, but uh, I, I want to tie our Blessed Mother a little bit if I can, and I'd like to share an experience that I had back, I think it was 1988, in Medjugorje. And, um, of course, uh, this was prior to my major conversion when I was 28 that I was talking about earlier. And my life was really spiraling downward. And after a, a relationship that went very sour, it was very painful, I was asked by my brother, his name is Jim, and, and he asked me to, he says, hey, I'm going to Medjugorje, and I'd like you to come. I'll pay your way. I says, yeah, man, now let's go. I'm, I am hurting for something, and I didn't care what it was. I needed hope somewhere, and I took advantage of it, and we went. The first night I was there, I met this young man, uh, a little older than me. I, I was probably about 26 at the time. He might have been uh, 29, something like that. And he handed me a summary of the gospel. He says, this is for you, and you read it. He says, I loved it. You're going to love it. And I did. I took it. I went back. I went to my uh, room. We stayed with the village people. We had a beautiful house and a beautiful room to myself. And that's what I did. I read that. I read that summary of the gospel, and Bob, I sucked it up like a sponge. Let me tell you, I was so hungry for the Word of God, I didn't even realize it. I couldn't put it down. I went right through cover to cover, and I go to sleep that night, and I had this nightmare. And um, but now I didn't meet anybody. This is the first night. I, I didn't know nothing. Nobody didn't meet anybody. In the first night, I'm ha I had this nightmare. And I was in the room, and uh, it looked like a medieval room. Uh, you know, the way I could describe it, it had a long wooden table with slate floor and stone walls and, and had the, the wooden rafters and, you know, fireplace. And it was medieval. And, and in one end of the room was standing the devil. So how about that? <laughs> and uh, in, in my dream, he, you know, he had a suit. He wore a black suit, a widow's peak. And he looked into his eyes, and they were black, black as death. I mean, just 
steeped in hatred. You felt oh. his hatred in his eyes. And I stood, uh, I stood across from him, and he had his right arm out, uh, uh, pointing towards me, his hand flat towards me, and his right arm out, and it was almost like this power where he was trying to draw me or hold me to this power and draw me in. But the feeling that I got through that was, was horrible. It was like um, very oppressive. It was awful. I wanted to get away, but I couldn't get away. So I started running. And I, as I was running, it felt as if I was running in place. I was powerless. I couldn't move. And I got very exhausted. And he had this power over me that I could not break from. And it was pretty frightening. All of a sudden, totally exhausted, I stopped. And I looked on the floor, and these stones were rolled. Somebody rolled these stones toward me on the floor. And they just rolled like, like marbles. They rolled right toward me. And I looked at them. I says, wow, they look like robin's eggs. And I, and I picked them up in my hands, and I says, these are beautiful. And there was five of them. And I'm looking, five stones. And they looked like they were smooth, turquoise blue, like robin's eggs with the brown spots. And something inside me told me to take these stones and whip them as hard as I could into the devil's chest. So I did. And I saw these stones flying through midair. As soon as it hit his chest, he exploded like a nuclear explosion. It blew in the kingdom come. Wow. Literally blew him to bits. And all of a sudden, I was released from that awful, oppressive feeling. I said, <gasps> I took a deep breath. I said, wow, thank God. It was like this peace, and I felt, I felt free. And I woke up at that moment in a cold sweat, like, what the heck was that? <laughs> you know, now, now, mind you, this is prior to me knowing anything about the faith. I had no idea. This was like a, a totally bizarre experience to me that I was uh, unfamiliar with. So after about an hour, and it was a frightening dream, I, I finally managed to get to sleep. I woke up the next morning, didn't think too much about it. We were on our way to Mass. And it went, so we went to Mass, and I think, his name, I think the priest there was Father Yozo uh, at the time. And um, I, I didn't even think about the dream, but during his homily, and this is the way I, I remember it. I could be wrong, but the, the, the whole message is in what I'm trying to say. Yeah, he said, yeah. what, I, what I understand is, he said in the Old Testament, there is a weapon to do battle against Satan. He says, and this weapon is placed into a catapult and flung into, it's a stone, placed into a catapult and flung into the devil's chest. Now, he wow. might have meant, he might have meant slingshot, I don't know, but that's the yeah. way I heard it. All right, and I'm saying, well, I did that in my dream last night. You've got to be kidding me. And that really caught my attention. He says, in the New Testament, there are five stones. I go, you've got to be kidding me. I'm, I thought I was in the twilight zone. I go, I had five <laughs> stones in my dream, in my hand, last night. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Well, where you can find the five stones is where David and Goliath, he had five stones, and he picked one stone to slay, the, slay Goliath. But these five stones, he says, the same thing, flung into the devil's chest. That's how you destroy the devil. You destroy the power of evil. And he goes on to say, he says, these five stones represent five things. Number one, the Eucharist. That's the first stone. Wow. The first weapon. Number two, confession. The sacrament of reconciliation. Number three, scripture, the word of God. That's the, fifth, the third stone. Number wow. four, prayer. Prayer, especially the rosary. That's the theme of Our Lady of Medjugorje. Pray, 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 especially the rosary. It's your weapon, your weapon, your weapon. And number six, number five is fasting. So those are your five stones, your five weapons. And this was, I had a whole theology of the Roman Catholic Church that I never had even in catechism. Wow. So, that's what Beautiful. I like thank you for that. You're, you're welcome. So it was our lady that led me to the sacraments. So and clear as day. And she there was no other intent but back to the sacraments. If you know Mary, you know Jesus. Amen. That's the name of our program. I love it, Bob.
It's beautiful. We have more I time. About, I mean, this isn't as uh, fantastic as what you were just, just describing, but it's still it's interesting. I was just reading, I don't know, a couple months ago, I read something somewhere where this man, he had a terrible habit of swearing all the time. <laughs> and you, know what his, you know what his wife told him? No, every what she time, told Every time you feel like swearing, pray the rosary. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And did it work? No, I'm sure. No more swearing. No more swearing. <laughs> you know, I, it, it, I can't argue with that. The right. power of the rosary, see, you know, the rosary, what, what is it made up of? Of course, it's the gospel today. If we have time, the one that you wanted to read, I think that's where we need to tie it in. Hail, yeah, O great, the Lord is with thee. So it's a prayer of praise. You're hailing Our Lady, praising Our Lord. When she went to Elizabeth, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. So it's the praise of Jesus and Mary. So it's a prayer of praise. And, of course, our, our church added in the petition part, pray for us now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Yeah, okay, that's the petition. But if you look at the rosary, there's four. There used to be three. Now there's four main mysteries. The joyful, right. the, the, the luminous, the sorrowful, and the glorious. And it's all rooted in scripture and meditations on the gospel re, uh, readings. So that's where it obtains its power from. It's in scripture. It's a prayer of praise that is in scripture. The Lord's Prayer is in scripture. All the meditations, for instance, let's do the joyful, um, the Annunciation. The Archangel Gabriel comes to Mary, announces to her that she's to be the mother of God. Mm -hmm. And of course, the visitation, he goes to Elizabeth. So we're meditating on the gospel. And um, it was told by a priest, uh, which he put in a beautiful way, he says, not only do we pray the rosary, we pray this, the gospel, we pray the scriptures along with the rosary. So that's mm -hmm. the beauty of it, and that's its power, and that's its nourishing power. You know, the Word of God will never change. That's right. The Word of God will never change. It's forever. That's right. <laughs> yeah, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Can you imagine, Bob? Yeah. I love God. He is awesome. He's everything to me. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And uh, St. John... Take it to the bank. That's right. That's right. You can bank on it. It is the absolute truth. And uh, you can totally depend upon it, totally surrender to it. And there's power in the Word of God. There's power. And there's no, and there's no doubt about it. And no doubt about it. Well, what do you think? You want to you want to uh, take a look at today's gospel? Would you like me to read yeah, that? Yeah, I think it. Yes, because that's that's the first one. That's the first uh, first decade of the rosary. That's right. And this is okay. where we got the Hail Mary from. Hail, full of grace. Okay, so it's taken from Luke chapter one, um, verses twenty six through thirty eight, and it's titled "The Announcement of the Birth of Jesus." In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus, and he will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Praise be our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a beautiful gospel, huh, Bob? Well, as you were reading it, it's just such a scene, huh? Oh, my wow. goodness. You could literally put... Yes, it was as if it were staged. On a stage and you're watching it live. Wow. You know, that's what I feel. No, that's the beauty of Scripture, too. If you could imagine yourself, just place yourself in there as if you were a character in the gospel, following our Lord around. That's a beautiful way of, of, of reading Scripture and getting involved and getting, you know, get, getting out of the meditation, the grace that God desires, you know? But some of the beautiful things of this um, re gospel reading is um, a lady says, well, how can this be since I know not man? So the angel explained it to her. Now, it was an act of humility. She wasn't doubting like Zachariah. <laughs> she was just like wondering, well, how can this be? So you could see, you could sort of draw out of that that she had tremendous faith. Her faith was, her faith was perfect. She didn't did mistrust God. She knew exactly what, that God could do something like this. And the angel followed up with the words, for nothing shall be impossible with God. And it's very obvious that our lady, our lady knew that. She knew that deep within her heart. She had that incredible faith and the humility to undo what the Catholic Church says is the sin of Eve. By her, yes. By her, yes. And then, so, we, as I said earlier, she said yes. Yes, she gave us an example. She's the best evangelist, the best example of an evangelist. Yes. She said Amen. yes. And then, as that priest said this morning, Father Mike, at St. John's in Middletown, he said, we have to say yes and be an example to everybody we meet. Wow, Bob. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, wow. Lord. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. Yes. And it's we only it's only when we are in his will that we are free. Amen, Bob. Oh, boy, did you say a mouthful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, why do you say that? Why do I say that? Because yes. I believe it. I believe Amen. It. Well, you know, but you're saying, you're speak, that's the truth, and it's profound. Because if you look back in the time of Adam and Eve, they were in the garden with God prior to the fall. And, which, and how did God describe the Garden of Eden? He described it this way, the Garden of Pleasures. And we know that in the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Paradise, there was no pain, no suffering, no death, no dying. Everything was in harmony. All of nature was in harmony with nature. And mankind and nature were in total peace and harmony with God, our creator, our awesome God. We walked and talked with God as if I'm walking and talking with you right now, Bob. There was no right. question. Adam and Eve did not have a shadow of a doubt. Oh, gee, am I talking to God? No, they knew they were talking to God. And they had an yeah. incredible friendship. But the, but the main thing, why, what made them in paradise is the fact that they were one with the will of God. One with the will of God. It is his will that they were united to, that they used their power of free will to do his will. In other words, uh, they were, pure, in the purest sense, saints. Um, from, from, their con from their conception, if you were, from their creation, they were saints. Because one of the definitions of a saint is a soul who wills the, to do the will of God always and in everything. So they were perfectly happy, and along came the devil. And he says, he says to Eve, 
Did God tell you that you could not eat of those trees? Or, or make sure I got this right. But he asked the question, did God tell you that you, could, that you could eat of all those trees in the garden? And she says, yes, except the one in the middle, the one, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And, and the devil says, he says, did God tell you that? So you have the liar calling God a liar. That's right. God didn't know. He, she, and she says, well, lest we die. And she, he, the devil says, well, you certainly will not die. I guess so he's calling God a liar. And then he says, and here's the clincher. Your eyes will be opened, and you will be like gods, deciding for yourselves what is good and evil. Now, in paradise, prior to the fall, Adam and Eve were perfectly happy. They were incredibly happy. And it was as if in the fall, prior to the fall, the devil came along and convinced them that you would be even happier if you disobeyed God. You will find more freedom if you didn't obey his will. Because the only command in the Garden of Eden was just don't eat of this tree. Or don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, isn't that the definition of moral relativism? I would the devil saying you can do literally do what you want, leave God out of the equation, you don't need his will, you'll be much happier. So my mm. question, Adam and Eve, if I were there, is how's that working for you? <laughs> yeah. It ain't working. It ain't working. What a disaster. So Prior to the fall was peace, happiness, no disease, no misery, no death, no suicide, no unhappiness. After the fall, they removed themselves from the will of God. And here's where people are very deceived. Move from the will of God. And that's when misery set in. So this notion of moral relativism, it's my life and I'll do what I want. I got news for you. That is the cause, the very cause of your misery. And most people that uh, have that philosophy where, you know, don't tell me what to do and, you know, don't, who is God to tell me that I have to live his commandments and so forth? And who is the Roman Catholic Church to tell me that I have to live this way and go to Mass on Sunday? And you know what? I got my own thing. Where's, where's the freedom in that? So they're looking at God as the enemy of their freedom. Mm-hmm. But the reality is it's totally the opposite. God's will is our freedom, Bob. It is our happiness. It is our healing. They bought the lie. They bought the lie. They bought the lie. And and to this day, we're continually buying the lie. Moral relativism says that, hey, I have my own truth. And you have yours. If I deem this to be good and true for me, then it's good and true for me, even if it's very sinful. doesn't matter. It's good for me. And if you the Frank Sinatra song, the Frank Sinatra song, yes, I'll do it my way. I'll do it my way. But the problem is that is the way to destruction. It's just that's that's the broad road. Doing it my way, we really need to realize this, and we have to do it God's way. It is the only way. Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." So back in Genesis, the devil saying, look it, if you disobey God, you will be like God. What a lie. And Jesus came in the fullness of the time, born of the virgin. And he's, and he's saying, no, if you do the will of God, you will be like God's. Because that's exactly what God does. And Jesus but is like God. The, and he says, but like you were says, saying earlier. We're, we all sin. So Thomas yes. Merton says, this is what Thomas Merton says. This is it. Now listen. Yes. Thomas Merton says, I want to do the will of God, but I don't always do the will of God. That's right. But the fact that I want to do the will of God pleases God. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? See? And you know... There's an answer for every, God has an answer for everything. That's exactly right. And you know, Bob, that brings to mind the scripture where St. Paul says, hey, I, I do the things that I ought not to do. Right. And when I want to do the things that are right, I can't do that. And I, I can't remember his exact words, but literally what he's saying is, 
because okay. of my fallen nature and weakness, I fall into sin, which I do not want to do. Okay. You know, but, but the mercy of God, since he's in St. Paul is the saying, but since I desire the will of God and desire not to sin, then, then it is pleasing to God. And that's what, that's what uh, Thomas Merton is saying. And, yeah. and, you know, and the beauty is that's why we have confession and we can have it every day if we want. Because if we fall into sin, we can get right back into the good graces of God every single time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You remember the cross? How many times yeah. did he fall? Three times, right? Yes. He got up every time. Wow, Bob. Yeah. And I believe he merited that grace for us to take advantage of. Because when we fall... We will have the strength to get up, go back to the confessional, get back mm-hmm. into the good graces of God and friendship with our Lord, and get right back on that path of salvation. That's it. Our, the, our path, our goal to our, our eternal home, to God, who is our greatest good. And that's it. And when we step into the confessional, who's sitting in there? <laughs> that's a good question. It's Many Jesus. people would say, it is Jesus. It is Jesus. It's, Jesus. it's the priest representing Jesus. Yes. You know, and it's right there in, in the gospel, in the ascension. He breathed on them, said, receive the Holy Spirit. What sins you hold bound will be held bound. What sins you forgive will be forgiven them. <laughs> now, there's only one other place in the scriptures where God breathed on them. Or breathed on someone. Do you know where it is? Right there in Genesis. He breathed life into Adam. Yeah. Isn't, isn't it ironic or, or wonderful that he breathed on them at the ascension? He breathed on the apostles, his priests. He gave the power to the priests to forgive sins. And he breathed on them because every time we go to confession and we, we confess our sins with a sincere heart, God breathes new life into us. That's the beauty of confession. It's the beauty you of confession. Know what, I think, what I was thinking when I heard something this morning from Father Al Lara from Cincinnati, he still has his program going, you know, his daily yep. program, the readings. And he was saying that these people, you're reading that scripture and Mary and these people, they were living a supernatural life. Wow, that's right. And we need to start living a supernatural life. Yes. And that's what you've been doing. I mean, when you see see all those things, when you went to Medjugorje, when you went wherever, and and you saw those miracles, you believed them. I did. I did. I did have Because you're living supernaturally. Oh, amen. You know, Bob, and I can't get enough. The more you surrender to God, and the more the more you want it. I, I don't know how to, It's like it, you realize that in the will of striving for, my, my prayer every morning when I get up is, may the will of the Father, made known by the Son, by the power of the Holy Ghost, reign in me through Mary, today and always. That's the first thing I want to do is, is, is ask God for the grace to live and do his will. And, Bob, i got to tell you, every day there is, I can't begin to tell you how many delightful surprises there are, spiritually, from God. I pick up scripture, and it's like, wow, this blows me away. I've read that several times. Or I'll meet somebody, or there's something in nature that is like a Holy Spirit moment where these birds are saying, I don't know. But it's almost like in God's will, through our Blessed Mother, our lives are organized, and it is so beautiful to walk with God in that way because it's it's liberating. Very simple. You know, uh, and the beautiful thing is that you know, these these words that you have, they stay with you. I mean, yes. you've been quoting a lot of scripture, and I've been quoting a lot of uh uh, things that others have said, like Father Al, just this morning, you know, and these then these things stay with you. I have a prophecy. That's right. That's right. That I, I have a prophecy. I don't know if I shared it with you, but it goes back uh, 25 years back when I was in Michigan, 
And the prophecy right. was this, and you never forget it. You, you never right. forget words like this. They're just, they're indelible. That's right. Yes. This one says, listen to this one. The Lord says, folks, raise your expectations. Wow. You expect so little. <laughs> right? I want to do so much. You come to me with your little thimbles or your little Dixie cups, and I want to <laughs> shower you with buckets. Right. And he's saying, again, raise your expectations. I want to do so much. Oh, man. So little. Oh, boy, Bob, we really need to wake up. That is beautiful. Yes. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. St. John says, in the beginning was God, and, and through him all things came into existence. Apart from him, nothing came into existence. He is everything that you see and touch and feel and hear. He is everything, and he has everything. And we need to shoot for the stars because he's an infinite, almighty, all-loving, good God. And he wants to lavish us with his goodness. It's there for the taking. And I say to people, don't settle for mediocrity. Don't do it. God... Just shoot for the stars. Ask God for everything, and he will grant it to you according to his holy will. Listen, in the first reading, and this was also the first reading at uh, Sunday Mass, yes. a reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, the king, ask for a sign from the Lord your God. And listen to this. He says, let it be as deep as the netherworld. Wow. Or as high as the sky. Oh my goodness! You know, what A, you know what Ahaz said? I will. Yeah. He I rejected. Will, I, I will not tempt the Lord. He said, what do you think? What What he was saying? I don't believe in the Lord. That's exactly right. What are you crazy, yeah. <laughs> Bob? What a beautiful connection you just made. My goodness. That was this morning. Oh, again, shoot for the stars. That's what the scriptures right. telling us. Right. Beautiful connection, Bob. Yeah. Now that's an example. And we got to take those words to heart, and we have to live them. We have to live supernaturally. I call it normal Christian living. And yes. all we're doing is we're living out our baptism. That's it. We're and that is the Yeah, Bob, it's, I love it. And just based on what you just read and how it connected is what I describe as one of those Delightful surprises from the Holy Spirit. It's just amazing. Amazing. I didn't didn't think of it until just that minute when you said, shoot for the stars. (laughs) See? That's how it works. That's how it works. I can't begin to tell you. Yeah, beautiful. The Lord told him, shoot for the stars. (laughs) Yeah, and then what did he tell him afterward? I don't want any of that stuff. Uh, anyway, I want, big, yeah. I want a big army, and I'll take care of everything. Well, what did Isaiah say? How long must I tolerate you or something like that? I forget what he said, but God was not pleased with that. <laughs> no. He was not pleased with that lack of faith and lack of trust and and uh, indifference. He didn't want it. But he it was, it was you You're going to get a word anyway, and then he told about how Jesus is going to be born. It's false humility, folks. Yeah. Wow, Bob. <laughs> Where did the time go? Wow, Bob, I enjoyed that. Thank you. Didn't we Looking have fun? forward to my... I'm sorry? Didn't we have fun? I had a blast. Thank you. Praise God. I, I, you, I truly enjoyed this. Wonderful. You know, and that's the, you have the Holy Spirit. Huh? We don't have to go around with long faces or, you know, looking sad and and uh, no. bored and all that stuff, because this stuff is exciting, man. It's extre- it is very exciting. That's a perfect word. And that's, it's, you know, it was put to me one way, this way. The will of God, by striving for it and living for it, is the most exciting adventure I've ever been on. And anything other than that is a lie, plain and simple. Right. Don't let the devil dupe you like he duped Adam and Eve, thinking that you'll be much happier. It's not true. 
That's a good final thought. So we'll see you next Amen. week. Okay, next week. Bob. Thank you. And uh, you just have a wonderful Christmas now. And uh, just um, thinking about all, meditating about all these things that we talked about tonight. And, sure. Uh, it's just it's just amazing how how we retain all those things that we'll never we'll never forget them. That's correct. Yep, the Holy well, Spirit. Thank you very much. You very You're much, welcome, Bob. Bob. For being with us for with our program. If you know Mary, you know, you know Jesus. You. Amen. Merry and Christmas, Bob. We'll be back same time, same station next week. In Jesus' name. Everybody be blessed. We hope you enjoyed the program and will join us back for another show on WCAT Radio. This is Sebastian Mafud. Good day.